we're just getting started, aren't we? Amen. Praise the Lord. The best is yet to come. Glory to God. Well, we do welcome you tonight. We welcome our first time attenders tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. We pray that uh, you came expecting because God's going to do some wonderful things once again tonight. Amen. He did this morning and he's going to continue and this is going to build right through this next week. Amen. There's a bulletin on, in the front of your uh, seat in front of you and uh, praise the Lord. If uh, our first timers can fill out, there's a little uh, tab attached to that bulletin of first time visitors registration. If you'd be so kind to fill that out. And uh, drop that, uh, give that to an usher or drop that in the offering receptacle. That would be fantastic. Praise the Lord just to have a record of your visit. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Everyone's help along that line. Amen. And so uh, with no further ado, uh, I'm going to have Brother Richard come up here and pick up where he left off. Glory to God. How many of you enjoyed that this morning? Wasn't that great? And uh, you need to go listen to the message if you did not do that because... I'll tell you what, it'll bless you and it'll just rekindle and start a fresh fire on the inside of you. And they're Holy Ghost fire starters. Amen. And so praise God. Go ahead, brother. Thank you. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. You can do better than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many know he is alive? There's nothing worse than the Christians who, who has a God that's alive, but they don't act like it. Amen. We need to act like he's alive. We need to talk like he's alive. We need to believe like he's alive. We need to tell others, you know, like he's alive. Amen. And it needs to be, it, it, listen, people, when they, when people see us, they should know that God's alive. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I, I find that, that everywhere we go around the world, you know, there's people that are hungry for God. And people have asked me, what is the key? I remember years ago when, um, when I was crying out to the Lord, uh, I remember I asked somebody, I said, what must I do to have an encounter with God? And they said, you have to get hungry. I said, I am hungry. Well, they said, get hungrier. And you know, and people say to me, and, I, and at the time I thought, man, they don't, they don't know the answer. But you know, over the years now, people have come to me and they said, what must I do to have an encounter with God? I said, you have to get hungry. Oh, Brother Richard, I am hungry. You, you got to get hungrier. And I see the look on their face. It must have been the same look that was on my face. But the reality is hunger is the key to everything. Hunger is the key to everything. Some, 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 some people says, well, faith is the key to everything. Well, I agree. Faith is the key. But faith, if it's not activated, does nothing. Amen. Faith, if it's not activated, does nothing. And tonight I want you to go with me to the book of Luke. I, I want to show you what hunger does, and 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 the next few nights I'm going to spend some time on this because I I I one thing that I do know about America is we have to have another great awakening, yes. Amen. We have to have another great awakening, and <clears throat> what what Christians do not realize is that we have the power to stop and change things. I remember a number of years ago, I have, man, I haven't said this for many years, but I, I remember a number of years ago, my, my, my mentors, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagan, and also Dr. Rodney Howard Brown as well, but um, he's my pastor and one of my best friends. Matter of fact, he's, I talked to him today and he's, he got upset with me because I'm not going to be home to go play golf with him, but um, <clears throat> he just finished a 17 day tour 
all over Asia and South America, I mean, uh, Australia and stuff. And, um, you know, for the next two years, he's going, you know, doing these lighting fires every night. Why? Because we both see the same thing. The church has to be mobilized. And that's the, that's the one thing that I see is that, you know, I, listen, I meet Christians, man, they know the word. And a lot of them pride themselves in knowing the word, and we should know the word. I mean, we should study, amen, to show ourselves approved, which, you know, if you, if you can show yourself approved under God, how many you know that the other side of the coin is you can, you can not be approved? Amen? And, um, but you know what? Everywhere I go, I find hungry people, but I, also I find people, they know the word, but I, I find that they are not mobilized, meaning you, you have to go do the work of Christ. Amen. Just sitting around and watching Christian TV or reading your book, which is great. But understand something. Every book, I can promise you, every book that you have in your library is just information. I don't care who wrote it. It's just information. I mean, my mentor, Dr. Kenny Hagan, I mean, I love his books, but they're information. They won't change. There's only one book that would change your nature, and that's the Word of God. There's only one book that would literally change your nature, and that's the Word of God. Every other book's just information. One book changes your life, and it's the Word of God. But one thing that he said, and I haven't said this for years, but one thing that he said, he said that when the Lord Jesus appeared to him, he said he's going to hold the church responsible for what takes place in the world. Meaning we have the power to change things. We have the power to stop it. Just think about this, church. Do you realize that one person can make a difference? Do you know there's enough people in this room to literally shake this area? I looked it up on Google. Of course, how many know the internet don't lie? I looked it up. I looked it up on Google, and you know, there's, they said there's 27,000 people here in Tulleton, or maybe a little more. That's what Google said. Maybe it's wrong, but there. How, how, how many is there? Okay, well, how many is there? Fifty thousand? Hundred thousand? Eighty thousand? Well, in between 50 and 100. <laughs> but let's just say 100,000. Do you realize that there's enough power in this room in just one year to literally shake this city? Do you know one person can make a difference? Think about this. One demon-possessed woman got prayer to schools. One lady full of the devil got prayer taken out of schools. Just think what one lady full of the Holy Ghost can do. One, listen, do you know one lady is responsible for millions upon millions upon millions of death, deaths every year? Margaret Sanger, who was a racist, who believed in population control, who started Planned Parenthood. One woman. How much more can the body of Christ in unity do? I can tell you what we can do. We can literally shake nations. There's enough power in this room to shake a nation. One person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. And our cry this week is that the fire of the Holy Ghost fall upon you. That's what Pastor said it right. We we are here to light fires. You know, Samson set fire to 300 foxes' tails. And we're here to set fire to your tail this week. That's our purpose. You know what? So I can promise you, some of them foxes were old, some were young. Some were beautiful, some were not so beautiful. But guess what? Every one of them had their tail set on fire. 
It's amazing what happens when your tail gets set on fire. One person, you know, I, I shared this here a number of years ago. We was coming back from, my wife and I was coming back. We'd been gone for, for months overseas. And, um, and, and the Lord uses us just, I mean, in incredible ways. But, I mean, this, overseas especially, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not more than what happens in America. But, you know, I, I find that places I go in the world, like when I was in Pakistan, I said, we had 40,000 Muslims get saved in three nights. But you know what? I'm telling you, it's, it's a whole lot different when you got a, somebody in America goes to bed, know that they're going to wake up okay, but versus somebody in a nation to where they're hostile to Christianity, to where they don't know that they're going to see tomorrow. And it's like that all over the world. It's like that in China. But let me tell you something. Do you realize there's a million people every month in China being born again? Matter of fact, they think the church in America is backslid. Because let me tell you what the Chinese do. They pray nonstop. They pray non. Have anybody ever heard of Brother Yun? How many have heard of Brother Yun? Oh, many of you. The heavenly man. Well, he's a very good friend of a, my, one of my dear friends. A pastor. Matter of fact, he has a church in somewhere here in Oregon, but he also has his main campuses in San Diego. And uh, he he comes, and, and he, when he came to America, he comes often. He, he has to be he has to come incognito in many ways because he's one of the most wanted men in China. But you know what he said? He said the church in China they nonstop crowd to the Lord. They nonstop pray. And you know what they, they, you know what their main prayer is? They pray every single day, nonstop, 24-7. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. Song Dong Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. That's all they pray. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. That's all they pray. There's a million people in China getting saved every month. Understand something. We have the power to change things but not when we're sitting around doing nothing. And God will not move until we, take, until we rise up and be the church and take a step. God, listen, God's not waiting. Listen to me very closely. People say, we're waiting on the Lord. No, 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 something. God's waiting on us. That's right. He's and I, I remember I was coming back from overseas. My wife and I, and we've been gone from, I think we, that, that, at that time we were in Germany and uh, Russia and Lithuania and Latvia, Riga, Latvia. And we'd be gone for a couple of months. And I remember, you know, I'm still, I just got back from Slovakia, um, Czech Republic, and uh, Austria. I'm, I'm just now starting to get back to America because of the time change. And then, we, then I fly here, and I, I, I mean, I gained three hours, so that's helping. But, <laughs> you know, and um, so we're coming back, and we, we've been up for like three days. And... You know, I'm going to tell you, how many know when you've been up for three days, your, your, your patience isn't what it should be? It's thinner. <laughs> and, oh, and, you know, when I wasn't, we weren't in first class either. We were using this coach. And, uh, you know, and I just can't sleep on planes. And, um, and so we've landed in America. And... Uh, and many planes came at once. They were not, you know, customs wasn't expecting the, the, you know, thousands of people to come. 
they should have been, but they only had one, they only had one, one aisle opened. They had like 20 aisles, but they had like one aisle open. And listen, and when we travel, <laughs> Pastor Monty can tell you, I got, I, I just don't have a little carry on. Okay, I mean, I got a suitcase for my shoes. I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, that's just how we roll. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so our luggage was packed up and we had to get a cart and it was packed up to here and you had all these people come in at once and, and I'd push it, do like that, waiting. That's how we roll. And it took us an, it took us an hour to get right to the, to the, the uh, entrance to go through the customs. And I was probably like from here to the wall. And they had like 20 aisles that you could have gone to, but they were not open. And so a lady comes out, she says, from customs, she says, I need everybody on this side, and I need everybody on this side to go to the back. And you heard everybody go, oh, something snapped in me. And I didn't go, oh, I, I shouted. No, absolutely not. I am not going to the back. I'm getting through here. There are 20 other entrances that you people have closed. If you wasn't so inept and you would do your job properly, I am not going to the back. I'm getting through there. And I saw my wife just doing like this as I'm shouting. And the, this, the, and the custom agent looks at my wife and she goes, ma'am, are you with him? My wife goes, no, I don't know him. <laughs> and I went out looked and I'm like, she goes, you're going to jail, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what happened? Let me tell you what happened. The people, the mob was just looking for one person. And as soon as I shouted, no, I'm not going to the back. All of a sudden, you hear people behind me. Yeah, we're not going to the back. It took us forever to get here. Next thing you know, all the custom agents come out, and they go, calm down, calm down, calm down. We're going to open the other gates. We're going to let you through. And we got it opened. <laughs> but it took just one person standing up. It just takes one person to make a difference. No, it just takes one person to make a difference. And that, listen, how much more can an individual do that is full of the Holy Ghost, that's baptized in the fire of God? Amen. I'm looking at enough power in this room to literally shake Tulleton, Portland, Salem, the shake Oregon. There is enough power in this room. The problem is this. People... Know about the Father, even have a relationship with the Father, even pray in tongues. But that's it. And that's not the gospel. We have to go to where the people are. It's not scriptural to pray for the people to come to the church. It's scriptural for the church to go to the people. Nowhere in scripture does he tell us, pray for the people. Now listen, it's fine to pray for people to come to the church. But you can't find in Scripture where the Bible says for, for us to pray that the world comes to the church. But He does tell us for the church to go to the world. The Great Commission is not a suggestion. How many know it is a commandment? How many of you know the Great Commission is a commandment? Raise your hand. How many of you know that Jesus said to every single one of us to go into all the world? How many know? Just raise your hand. I want to see if you know it. Okay, guess what? Everybody here knows it. That tells me everybody's saved. 
which is great, but we need unbelievers here. But listen, everybody raised their hand. You said that you know that we're to go into all the world. But do you also realize this? That because you know we're to go into all the world, do you also realize that we're going to stand before God and give an account of what he said? We're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of what he told us to do. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to rise up. No, it's time for the church to rise up and be the church of the living God. It's time for the redeemed of the Lord to rise up and be the redeemed of the Lord and do what the redeemed of the Lord is supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go into the highways and to the byways. We're supposed to go right in the middle of hell. But unfortunately, most people want to go where it's comfortable. God doesn't come to, where you're, to and meet you at your comfortability. I'll say it again. God doesn't come to meet you at your comfortability. And guess what? You proved that you will press through comfort. Because guess what? Tonight, you proved tonight that you put your comfort to the side. You proved tonight that you did not let your comfort keep you from pressing in to what the Lord has for you tonight. Because if that would have been the case, you would have stayed home and watched, you know, the one-eyed devil. You would have stayed home and uh, stayed, or gone to the friend's house or gone to family's or something. You wouldn't be here tonight. The very fact that you're here tonight shows this. You are hungry for God. You're hungry for the touch of God. You're hungry and you want God to come and you want, you're going to press in and you want Him to come and have His way in you, impart unto you, listen, impart gifts unto you, do big things in you. God wants to do big things, but you're going to have to put yourself in a position to where big things can happen. And when you look at the Word of God, I, I wrote this down. The Lord said this to me. I'll tell you what He said to me. I thank, you know, thank God for modern technology. Oftentimes, when I'm, you see me on my phone, I'm actually writing notes down. But here's what the Lord said to me. God, He said, I never do things, I never do things in people or for people around their convenience, but always around their sacrifice. God doesn't do things around our convenience, but he does do it around our sacrifice. He does do it around our hunger. And I look back in my life when the Lord touched me in January of 1990. You know what? I had to go after him. I, my wife and I, we went after him. We were so hungry for God. We went after him with everything in us. And even when it didn't look like nothing was happening, because I was a dead preacher. It looked like nothing was happening. But I continued to press on and, pre and continued to press in, just like the woman with the issue of blood. And I was determined I was not going to stop. I was not going to quit. God promised me that I would find him if I seek him. God promised me that I would find him if I searched for him with all of my heart. I'm putting my comfort to the side. Listen, do you think my flesh wanted to travel in that little Ford Tempo? I had a little 1988 Ford Tempo. It didn't even have cruise control. 
I couldn't even put the seats back because it was full of suitcases. And only one was mine. But still. <laughs> Notice I said that over here. <laughs> she would say, but I did have my golf gloves. But, the, my, but my, my, my point is this. My wife and I, for, for almost a year, we drove all over America. Following a South African around. Because I was so hungry for God. Because understand, listen to me. Hunger is an action. Don't tell God you're hungry. Show God you're hungry. And trust me, He does look to see. And tonight, the very fact that you're here tonight, it shows that you're hungry for more. It shows that you're hungry for God. And make no mistake about it. You being here tonight does not go unnoticed with God. But also know this. Those that aren't here, that should be here, it does not go unnoticed with the Father. There's something about God. And I'm going to show you scriptures here the next few nights. There's something about the Father that He desires every one of us to seek Him. I mean, you even see it with the Word. What does the Bible say in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20? Everybody can quote. I mean, most faith people can quote Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear into my sayings. Keep them in the midst of thy eyes. Let them not depart from thy heart. Why? For they are, listen, they are life to those who? Fine. Guess what? The only way, he says right there, man, you are so fast. But listen to what he says here. Keep them with all diligence for out, well, that's verse 23, but look, verse 22. For they are life unto those that find them and health, or which is the word medicine, to all their flesh. But notice he says, they are life to those who what? They are life to those who what? Now listen, they are life to those who find. The only way you find is when you seek. You don't find unless you seek. You don't find just because you read. You don't find just because Proverbs 4 is a part of your daily reading plan. I'm not knocking daily reading plans. You should read. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying this. That my words are life to those who find. That means that you search out. You get into the scripture and you search out the things of God. You search out what God's saying. You search out the word of God. And as you seek out, you begin to find. Why? Because it's a law with God that when you seek him, he allows you to find him. There's a law with God when he said, if you will draw nigh to me, guess what God said? I will draw nigh to you. David said to Solomon, David said, know the God of your father. Then he goes on to tell Solomon to seek him with all of your heart. And then he says this, when you seek him, you're going to find him. And then he goes on to say, and God will be found by you, Solomon. That means everywhere you go, God will be found there. But yet he said the same thing to you and I in Jeremiah 29 verse 13 because he said, seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And the first part of verse 14 he says, and I will be found of you. 
Who's he going to be found of? He's only going to be found of those who have sought him and found him. You know, there's a difference between knowing about the Father, and that's really the problem we face in the modern day church. A lot of people know about God. But I, listen, if my life isn't dependent upon somebody praying, if I'm in the hospital and I need somebody to come and pray me through, I don't want somebody to come in that knows about God. I don't just want somebody that comes in that's going to be able to quote scripture because they memorize so many scriptures. I want somebody that, that goes beyond knowing about him and knows him. Because Christianity is meant not for us to know about God. Other religions know about their God. Christianity is meant that we have intimacy with our Father. That's why Daniel said they that know their God. That word know is the same word used when the Bible says that Adam knew Eve. They that know their God. They that know their God. They that know their God, they that know their God are going to be strong and, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do exploits. They're going to do mighty things. We've got to get beyond the knowing about, and we've got to get to the knowing the Father. And that only comes by a heart that's hungry, a heart that desires to seek Him. Because God wants to be sought after. You should just go through scriptures and just see all the times God tells us to seek Him. The Bible says God loves those that seek Him in the morning. Go through all the, the Bible says in Amos 5, I was talking with Pastor about it yesterday. The Bible says in Amos 5, I think it's verse 4. Seek me. What did God say? Seek me and here's what's going to happen. You shall live. Just pull up Amos 5, 4. Just, I don't want to just quote it. Just look what he says here. Amos, the fifth chapter. Look what he says here. Verse 4. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek me and you shall live. But guess what? In order to live, you got to seek. That's what he said. Seek me and you will live. Seek me and you will live. Seek me and you will live. Do you realize that there's something about the heart of God? When we begin to seek Him, it moves Him. He's moved by you coming after Him. Hebrews chapter 11. Every, every faith person should be able to quote Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Just put it on the screen. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What is it? What is it? It's impossible. Isn't that what he said? Not improbable. It's impossible. It's impossible. But listen. Let's don't stop there. Listen to what he said. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Meaning, listen, if you need to be healed in your body, you come to him, but you've got to believe he's your healer. You gotta believe that he, he will allow you to find him. Those that come to God must believe that he is. And listen to this. 
And he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. To who? Them that diligently seek him. Do you understand there's something about when you begin to seek God that moves him? Do you know God would jump over a thousand satisfied people? Listen, God would jump over a thousand satisfied people just to get the one that's hungry, just to get the one that seeks him. And you know, most people in the body of Christ do not see God as a rewarder. I could venture to say that not one person came in here tonight with the thought that God's going to reward me. But God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. You seek God, He says, I'm going I'm to reward them. I'm going to let them find me. And you better know, when you begin to find Him, Listen, not only, you, you, you're talking about your life changing, you're talking about your family's life changing, everybody who comes in contact with you's life is going to change. Because I promise you, all it takes is just one night, just one second of you having an encounter with God, and your whole life will change. That's what happened to me. And I went all over this country, my wife, and I went all over this country. Family members thought we were nuts, thought we were crazy. But I was after something. And I knew money couldn't buy it. I was after something. Because God wouldn't let me out of the ministry. And I wasn't going to be a dead preacher anymore. And I knew that if I found him, then I could shake the nations of the world. But I had to find him. I'm not, I'm not talking about salvation experience. I'm, t- I'm talking, I understand something. That's where, it's, that's where it starts, but it's more, I'm talking about something more than that. I'm talking about where you come to the place to where you cry out unto God. I'm talking about the place to where you get so hungry and you get so desperate. Like A.E. Allen, who God used in a mighty, 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 mighty way. Had arms grow out, but yet he locked himself in a closet for 15 days and cried unto God for 15 days. Listen, that's called desperation. That's called hunger. But guess what? God rewarded him. You look at every individual that God has used to touch and to shake the nations of the world. From Bible days? Listen, why do you think Moses did what he did? Moses didn't do nothing for the kingdom of God. Moses did nothing for God until he had a burning bush experience. You look at every individual that God used. You look at Moses. You look at Joshua. You look at Elijah. You look at Elisha. You look at Jeremiah. You look at every individual that God used. They were all individuals who at some time in their life had an encounter with God. Bring it into modern days. You look at Charles Finney. You look at George Whitfield. You look at Jonathan Edwards. You look at Peter Cartwright. You look at Amy Simple McPherson. You look at Catherine Kuhlman. You look at Smith Wigglesworth. You look at John G. Lake. You look at, at, at Kenneth Hagin. You look at all these individuals that God used to shake the nations of the world. Not only shake the nations of the world, but literally turn the course, change the course of generations. They've all been individuals. Who had some time in their life had an encounter with God. A. Allen, William Brandon, I can go down the list. 
Raymond T. Ritchie. I mean, I can go down the list of the of individuals. Maria Wood with Hitter. I mean, Lillian B. Owens. Every one of these individuals I'm quoting to you. I mean, Spurgeon, A.W. Tozer. I mean, every one of these individuals had an encounter with God. Because, the, and you look at, you look at their life, something sparked it, and it was that they got so desperate, and they got so hungry for God. And they really begin to apply Jeremiah 33, 3 to their life. Call unto me, and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great, and I'll show you mighty things that you know not. I don't know about you, but I'm calling on him. I don't know about you, but I'm calling unto him. That's what he said here. I'm sure it's on the screen. There it is. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show you the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But you're not going to see the great and mighty things and he's definitely not going to answer until you call. Which this totally does away with how most people in the body of Christ believe. Well, if the Lord wants me to have it, it's just going to happen. The Lord knows. But nothing, nothing from heaven comes that way. Absolutely nothing. First off, there's absolutely no faith in that statement whatsoever. None whatsoever. Well, if, if the Lord wants it. But people, as I said this morning, you didn't get saved because of that. That's not how you got saved. See, that, that, that puts all the focus, that statement puts the whole focus on God. But the whole focus needs to be on you and I. Because you and I have to do something. Because God is a rewarder of those who what? Seek Him diligently. Amen? That's why I'm saying just one person. One person can make a difference. Just one person can make a difference. And there's enough people in this church tonight to make a difference. Go with me to Luke 5. Actually, before you go to Luke 5, just, let's just go to Jeremiah. Wait a minute. Thank you, Lord. Just go to just go to First Chronicles twenty eight. I, I, I want to show you this. First Chronicles twenty This is what David said in verse 1. Now David assembled all the leaders of Israel in Jerusalem, the leaders of, of the tribes, the officers of the divisions of those ministering to the king, the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, the stewards over all the property and livestock of the king and his sons with the eunuchs and, and the fighting men and all the brave warriors. 
So King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, a footstool for the feet of our God. So I prepared to build to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you are a man of war and have spilled much blood. But jump down, listen to what he says here. Verse 6. For he said to me, Solomon, your son, is the one who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his kingdom forever if he is fully committed to keep my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And as for you, Solomon, my son, listen to what he says here. Know the God of your fathers and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing spirit. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the intent of every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will abandon you forever. But notice what David said to Solomon. If you seek him, if you seek, he will be found by you. Listen, even though Solomon was going to take David's place, Solomon still for himself had to seek God for himself. And so many people want to, want to ride off the relationship of their pastor. So many parents want to ride off the relationship of their parents' relationship with God. And you see it time and time again. You see an individual that God used mightily. And yet the person that, that takes their place when they retire or when they go home to be with the Lord, there's something missing. Why? Because they had, they did not have the same encounter that the father had or that their mentor had. And they, you could say they rolled off of his relationship or they lived off his relationship. I mean, Alexander Dowie, John Alexander Dowie was a mighty man of God. A mighty man of God. I mean, John Alexander Dowie walked up to a lady, had a, had a tumor on the side of her face the size of a, of, of, of a football, basketball. And he walks up to the lady, puts his hand on the tumor and says, In the name of Jesus, come out! And yanks the tumor right off her face. She was totally healed. The doctors even ran and examined her face said she had the skin of a newborn baby. But yet, even you look at Alexander Dowie, do you realize that he had an encounter with God? He built Zion City, Illinois. Think about this. At the turn of the century, the turn of the century, he pastored a church for 19 years, over 5,000 people. That, do you know how massive that is? I mean, that makes what Joel, Joel Osteen has look like a Sunday school picnic. Because even in America, even still today in America, the average church is 5,200 people in America today. That's the average. This was in 1908. This is the turn of the century. He had a church over 5,000 people. Do you realize in 19 years of pastoring a church over 5,000 people, never one time did he bury a church member that died of sickness and disease? 
Now, they died of, you know, natural causes or old age, but not one died because of a disease because he got them healed. Well, who? Brother Richard, there must have been something special in his life. But see, and, and here's, what, here's, here's the mistake that people want to do. The, the mistake is that people do is that they want to put an individual into a category that's so special that nobody else can obtain to. But the reality is he just got hungry for God and began to cry out to God. But you know, you go there today, and you, 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 you look on the wall, and you'll see his picture. Then you see the picture, you see the row of pictures to, current, to the current day, to 2020. But you look at, you look at John Alexander Dowie, and you see the, right next to him was the man that took his place. Then the man that took his place, then the man that took his place. And you have to ask yourself the question, how much of what John Alexander, da- uh, and Dowie, John Alexander Dowie, how much of what he had and the, and, and the encounter that he had with God, the relationship that he had with God, how much of that got into the next guy? That got into the next guy. That got into the next guy to where you see the current day, because a friend of mine was there a couple of years ago, and, in, and asked the guy who's over at all, that organization today, you know what he said to my friend? Because my friend asked him, he said, we can't tell you the last time we've seen a miracle here. You look at denominations that started. Many of them, do you realize that every single denomination in America started and birth, was birthed out of the fires of revival? That's right. But you look at them today. Now some of them ordain homosexuals. And they ordain lesbians. But yet they started in the fires of revival. That's why we have to have the fire of God present. John said, when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. The fire of God is not an option. Matter of fact, I I just here last summer, I spoke at a big conference. And I I had a Bible school, about, I don't know, 500 people I think they have. And I, I said to him, I said, the requirement for every single one of you Bible school students to graduate from this Bible school is that you have to be baptized in the fire of God. If you're not baptized in the fire of God, then you've got to stay another year. You shouldn't be able to graduate. Because where there's no fire, understand something, where there's no fire, there's religion. Where there's no fire. And the last thing that we need is more people getting behind the pulpit that don't know who God is. That want, to, that want to accept. Well, you know, we just want to accept everybody. And that's what's gotten into the church. Listen, we accept everybody too. But we accept you to, to come in, give your life to Jesus, and get saved, get delivered. Hello, come on. Because there's no such thing as a homosexual, homosexual Christian. Hello. I need, do I need to say it louder? Because I didn't give very many amens. There's no such thing as a homosexual Christian. Amen? But yet we come, we come, we come to the place in America to where we, we just want to let the world know that we're relative. God never told us to be relative. The Bible says that if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. We're not told to be relative. 
We're told as ministers to preach the full counsel of the Word of God. That means pastors should preach on hell. Hello? You know, you know what my greatest fear would ever be? And I've said to the Lord, if I'm ever a pastor, and it's, oh, it's just an illustration, Lord, just an illustration. <laughs> no, but if God called me to be it, He would grace me to do it, and I would, I would do it. I would obey the Father. But my greatest fear, even in, even in, the, in, in, in our meetings that we do, my greatest fear that somebody would come to these meetings and sit through, through a service where the power of God is in manifestation, and leave lost. My fear as a pastor would be that there somebody would come and sit under me, go to attend my church, and miss heaven. Because what would have what did I accomplish? Because I watered something down. We don't need a watered down gospel. That's what we've had for years. And look what it's produced. Let me tell you what it's produced. Do you know that this year across America, listen to me closely, this year across America, 5,000 Muslims are running for office. Across America. Hopefully that wakes you up. Because <laughs> it woke me up. Hello? Hello? But it comes right down to the church. Because we have the power to change it. But we don't change anything by doing nothing. I say, you don't change anything by doing nothing. And God said here in the book of Chronicles, David said to Solomon, he said, know the God of your father. He said, seek God, seek the Father. Listen to what he says here. He said, if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. That means everywhere you go, God will go there. What's well, the other side of the coin? Because there's always another side. Do you know what the other side of the coin is? Don't seek God and everywhere you go, God won't be found. Let me give you, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. A few years ago, I was, uh, I came home from overseas, and I said to my wife, I'm, I'm taking a week off, and I'm going to play golf every day. And, and, which I don't really get to play much. I mean, I talk about it way much more than I get to play. I mean, I live, I mean, I'm, my wife and I, we're on a meeting, we're on the road 300 days a year. Last year at my church, I was there eight Sundays all year. And, and so I, I said, man, I'm just going to play golf every day. And uh, I get a phone call from a businessman and who God <clears throat> greatly blessed in a mighty way. Actually, not now because he sold his company, but at one time he was making like $150,000 a week take home. I mean, it's not too bad. <laughs> and he made that for years, many, like, many, many years. So he calls me and he says, I mean, he says, Hey, buddy, what are you doing? I said, man, I said, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this whole week off and I'm going to play golf. He said, oh, man, he said, man, I need, uh, I need some time. Man, I, and he loves to play golf, too. As a matter of fact, he used to play on many tours. He said, man, I, I need, 
He said, man, let me fly you to Houston. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, won't you, won't you fly to Houston? He said, fly in. Won't you fly in Friday? Fly back out Monday. He said, man, I'll take you. We'll play golf every day. And man, we'll go have a nice big old Texas steak. You know there's a difference between a $100 steak and a $40 steak. He said, man, we'll have a nice, he said, man, we'll play golf every day. We'll, I'll treat you, we'll have a nice big steak. We'll, we'll stay down here at the, the five-star um, Galleria Hotel, downtown uh, Houston. He said, man, pray about it and get back with me. I said, no, I'll be there. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, some things you don't have to pray about. I mean, jeez. <laughs> and I said, no, I'll be there. So I, I, uh, I flew there. He picked me up, him and his brother. They picked me up on Thursday and. We went to play golf and went out of man, a phenomenal steak that night. Then it started, but that, well, notice that that night it started getting really cold. Next thing you know, it starts raining. And it was like, I mean, it was going to rain the rest of the week. I mean, it's going to rain on Friday, it's going to rain on Saturday, it's going to rain on Sunday. And he said, man, buddy, I'm sorry, man. He said, jeez, man, I wanted to play golf. And, I, and I'm like, jeez, I mean, I live in hotels. And he said, man, I'm just going to call some of my leaders in and um, just have a meeting with them. I'm like, that's just wonderful. Great. <laughs> I don't care that it is a five-star hotel. A hotel's a, you know, after a while, hotels, well, not really. <laughs> I wasn't going to say a hotel's a hotel, but no, not really. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, a Hyatt and a Motel 6. And, um, and so I said, okay, fine. Fly your people in. So he did. Uh, they flew in from California and from New York and from New Jersey. And they just flew in from all over. And uh, so that night, this was like on Saturday night, he said, hey, he said, he said, I want you to come down to my meeting with me. I said, man, I don't really want to go to your meeting. I said, you just go to your meeting. And um, when it's finished, call me. I'll meet you in the lobby and we'll go have another big old Texas steak. <laughs> he said, okay. About 20 minutes later, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go to that meeting. I said, okay, Father, I'll go. And I've learned now, because I have, trust me, over the years I've argued with the Lord about things. He always wins, always. And so I just know now when the Lord speaks, just, yes, Father, be willing and obedient. Amen? You've got to be both. Don't just be, don't just be obedient. You've got to be willing and obedient. And I said, okay, Father, I'll go. So I remember I thought, but I'm, you know what? I'm just, I ain't changing. I'm going to be in my, my cowboy boots, be in my jeans, and, uh, you know, my, my nice, I had a nice shirt. And I'm just going to go down there, and I'm going to go sit in the back, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to be a Kentucky boy, man. I, I, I'm just going to be redneck. Uh, and I sat down, I went down in the back, and I sat down. Matter of fact, I sat down in the chair and leaned back on the, on the back two legs. <laughs> just leaned back. Man, these, and all these, these wealthy people in there. And they're talking. This one guy's 28 years old. He's, he's bragging. He makes $50,000 a week. And he's bragging because he's got a $250,000 wardrobe. And he's bragging to some of the others around me that on um, this coat that he has, a $2,500 coat. And I'm sitting and looking at him like, oh, my God. This, this looks like crap. I wouldn't give you $10 for it. That was It was ugly. And that's what I said. It looks like crap. It's ugly. And then they're all talking about because there's 25 of them. Then they're going to go to a strip club afterwards. I just listened. I didn't get up and say, stop talking like that. I'm a Christian. <laughs> no, I just, you know, whatever. I mean, I just sit there and listen. 
So my friend gets up, and I knew, I knew he's gonna, he's just gonna talk about money, making more money. I mean, matter of fact, uh, I think it was A and E was gonna do a reality show with him called The King of Sales because he could, he could, he's phenomenal. He's anointed to sell. That's how he started. I made his business. I think he had seventy offices all around the country. And he gets up, you know, he's got his, you know, his, he's got diamonds dripping all over him. His whole watch is old diamond. The whole face is diamond. It's, everything's diamond. He's got this big old diamond bracelet, these big old diamond rings. He's got this big old diamond cross. It costs like 50 grand, which is, to me, is just, please. It means nothing to me. And so he gets up, sure enough, starts talking about money. So I brace myself. Man, I'm going to be here for three hours. Because he's the type of guy. He, you know, have you ever met people when they talk? They, they don't end. They just go into a whole other story without ending the first story. And I was like, you're trying to get in something in, but you can't because they don't end. And the only way you can get anything is just, shut up, let me talk now. <laughs> that's the only way you can get anything in. But that's just how he is. And not only that, he's loud. And when he goes, my wife can tell you, I mean, isn't that honey, when she, she, we just, I just saw him last week, he goes, he comes into a room, he's loud, he's a handful, and he's, he, he dresses loud, I mean, he wears these, you know, $5,000 shoes, it's got spikes all over them, and I'm looking at him like, oh my God, why would you, this, this ugly, this, uh, it's just ugly. I mean, they're the ugliest looking shoes I've ever seen in my life. They're, they're ugly. I don't know why. I said, these men, those are whatever, thousands of dollars. I said, dude, I said, you wasted money. And he looks at me like, you don't like them? I said, no. <laughs> and he's just gaudy. He's just like that. He's just gaudy. It's just gaudy. And he gets up and starts talking. And I, I braced myself. Oh, Jesus. Here's what I did. I'll be honest with you. I leaned back, leaning back, leaning back in my chair, with my cover boots up, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, please. Please, Jesus, help me. I remember I said, Lord, if you rapture me now, I'll never ask you for nothing ever again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets up and he talked about 10 minutes. Like, I know he's going to. Then he stopped. And he said, all right, I'm done. What? You flew 25 people here from around the country to talk to them for 10 minutes? It's another waste of money. And he said, I'm done. I have nothing else to say to you. But he said, I have a dear friend of mine that's here. He travels over the world. I'm going to have him come speak to you. And as soon as I said that, all 25 of them looks at me. I'm there. I got my chair leaned back and my cowboy boots up. And I brought my chair down slowly. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say to these bunch of heathens? They're going to a strip club. You know what the Lord said to me? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I get up, and so you know what I thought? I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking about money. And I'm gonna, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring God into it. Because the reality is, there's a reason why 48 times in the Word of God, God describes Himself as El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. I can promise you, there's no one more extravagant. There's no one more excessive. There's no one more loud than God. If you just look at the design of the temple, the gold, I mean, it's just, I mean, get into it. Just study about it. I mean, just think about heaven for a moment. 
And there's nothing, let me say something to you. There is absolutely nothing wrong with material things. There's just something wrong when material things have you. And here's how you can tell if it's got you or not. When God tells you to give it and you can't give it, then guess what? You're a slave to it. He's not first. And so I thought, I'm going to pick up where he just left off. So I'm going to bring God into it. So here's what I said to him. I said, you know, my Bible says that God is the one that gives the power to get wealth. And the Bible says that. My Bible says God gives us the ability. I said, there's a lot of money in this room, and you think that, you're, you, think that you got, you got the, your wealth and, and all this wealth that's in this room came because of your ability to sell. I said, wrong. I said, here's the reality. The ability that you have came from God because God is the one who gives the power to get wealth. I said, let me tell you what money can do and what money can't do. I said, money can do a lot of things for you in this life. I said, money can buy you a nice, big, beautiful house, but it can't buy you a home. I said, money can buy you a nice, big, beautiful wedding, but it can't buy you a marriage. I said, money can buy you a nice, big, beautiful diamond ring, but it can't buy you love. I said, there's a lot of things money can do in this life. I said, if my, I said money, can even, money can even buy you new lips. It can, it can buy you new body parts. Money can, money can take an 80-year-old woman and make her look like she's 30. There's a lot of things money can do. Matter of fact, some people, they got so much plastic stuff in them. I mean, it's going to take them, you know, a couple hundred years after they die just to even, you know, go back to the dust of the earth. I mean, I mean, <laughs> they got so much silicone in them. <laughs> I said, but here's what money can't do. Money can't do nothing for you in the next life. And as soon as I said that, the glory of God came in. I felt so unclothed. I felt naked at first. But now here comes the glory of God, and I'm like, oh, I feel clothed. I, I know what to do now. I mean, it's just like, to me, it's like it's time for revival. And I tell you, the presence of God filled the room when I made that statement. Well, I said, money can do a lot for you, a lot of things in this life, but can do nothing for you in the next life. The glory of God comes in. And as soon as the glory of God came in, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I said, there's somebody here. You, you, you have a damaged heart. You actually need a new heart. Where are you at? This guy raised his hand like that. I'm like, oh, jeez, I don't even get that in church. <laughs> I mean, here's church people. I said, you, sir? I said, you need... He said, yeah, and he tells me his problem. I said, come up here. He jumps up and comes, stands right in front of him like that. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be with the heathen. And, and I said, sir, I said, I'm going to lay my hands on you. God's going to touch you, and God's going to heal you, and he's going to give you a new heart. Are you ready? He goes, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm like blown away. And when I tell you what happened, listen to me. When I tell you this story, I'm going to tell you this, and... and you just have to trust me. I'm, I, I do not evangelistically talk. My wife would tell you that. I'm very black and white. I'm very precise in everything. And I promise you, what I'm about ready to tell you happened, church. But the Bible says that when you find him, everywhere you go, he'll be found of you. That means everywhere you go, God will be found there. And God was there this night. Matter of fact, when we get to heaven, I'll have, I'll have the Father play you the DVD. 
to show you that everything I'm about ready to tell you happened. So I said to the guy, God's going to give you a new heart. I said, the moment I lay my hands on you, my, my hands are burning like fire. I said, the moment I lay my hands upon you, the fire of God's going to go into you and God's going to heal you. I said, are you ready? He said, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I said, all right, close your eyes, lift your hands. I'm like, oh my gosh. That doesn't even happen in church. So I went to lay my hands on him. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, no ushers. As soon as I laid my hand on him, the fire of God went out of my hand. Because I minister with a tangible anointing. When I lay hands on people, I know when the anointing goes into people. I laid my hands on him. The fire of God went into him. And I promise you, here's what he did. He's like this. I laid my hands on him. And he does like this. Ah! Boom, hits the ground. Boom, hit the ground. No usher caught him. I promise you, but it was a lot louder than that. Matter of fact, it got so loud in the room that the Galleria, if you've ever been to Houston, there's a phenomenal hotel, they called security. The guy that was, sit, the guy that was sitting beside him what happened to be the guy that was bragging about his $2,500 coat and that he had a $250,000 wardrobe. The fire of God hit him because the fire of God went into the one man, boom, to the ground he goes. The fire of God hit the other guy. He falls forward on his knees and he starts banging the floor and he starts screaming, Oh my God! Oh my So I promise you, security came up. You know what's so funny? Because they were all like, you sitting to me. I mean, uh, uh, they, they were boxed with the door. And it was so funny. Because I saw security. The security opened the door. And when they opened the door, they saw what was going on. They looked at each other. Their eyes got real big and they took off. They didn't even come in. <laughs> they didn't even come in. <laughs> you should have saw them. It's like this fear hits them. And phew, they're gone, man. But this guy's on the floor screaming, Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Then I started laughing. But not because of the Holy Ghost. I started laughing because now the guy, he is crying. And he's laughing. And he's got tears. And he's got snot coming. And it's getting... And I just started laughing because I see that the tears and snot's getting all over this jacket. (laughs) And it struck me funny, and I just started laughing. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how long it lasted, because it was one of those divine, glorious times. I don't know if it lasted an hour or ten minutes. I honestly can't tell you. But here's what I can tell you, is that when we're all able to get up, they're sitting in their chair, and I said, what you just experienced was the touch of heaven. I said, God's just coming in this room tonight. And he came here for this reason, to show you that he's real, but he also wants your life. He wants you to surrender everything to him and make him the Lord of your, of, to make him the Lord of your life. And that comes because you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you repent of your sins, and you get washed in his blood. I said, there's one way to heaven. And there's one way to hell. I said, the way to hell is to reject Jesus. The way to heaven is to accept Jesus. I said, how many of you, and I promise you, church, I'm not lying. I promise you this happened. I said, how many of you here 
There's 25 of them. I said, how many of you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life right now? Soon as I said that, you would have think we rehearsed it. Soon as I said that, all 25 of them went to the ground, to their knees. I'm sitting here watching this. I'm like, I didn't ask any. I didn't ask for any of that. But you have to understand, God's in the house. Why is He there? Because I'm there. Because He said, "When you find Me, I'll be found of you." But the only way to find Him is seek Him. Every single one of them gave their life to Jesus that night. After the service, the one guy says, "Where are you? Where are you going right now?" I said, I am going to have a big steak with your boss. Do you know what they all said? Can we come with you? <laughs> they didn't go to the strip club. Guess where they came? They came to the restaurant with me and their boss. Jeremiah 29. Look what he says here in Jeremiah 29. You, Stephen, you can, you can pull it on the screen faster than I can pull it up. But listen to what he says here in Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, starting with verse 13. And you, talking about you, who's he talking about? Is he talking about just a select group of people? Is he, is he talking about, is he talking to just ministers? No. He said, and you, Abundant Life Family Church. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Look at the next verse. Same thing he said about Solomon. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. See, that's what happens. Understand, when you cry out to the Lord and you begin to seek Him with all your heart and you begin to press into Him, you have to press into the things of God. Nothing comes by comfort. Nothing comes by comfort. Everything from heaven comes by sacrifice. Everything. And it was a sacrifice for you to come here tonight. Everything comes by sacrifice. But here's the reward. You'll find Him. But what else happens? When you find him, everywhere you go, God's found there. Do you know I've gone on to airplanes? I promise you. Do you know I have gone on to airplanes? And I was on an airplane here a couple of years ago. I got on the airplane, and as I was getting on the I was sitting up front in first class. I, I brushed across the stewardess. I, did, I left a meeting. I'm coming home. I brushed across the stewardess, and when I did, the power of God hit her. I'm sitting up in the, I'm sitting in the front of the plane. And of course, there's only what maybe ten of us, because they pulled the curtain back. Do you know the woman? The, I mean, for the whole flight home, the woman was drunk in the Holy Ghost. She couldn't even serve. She couldn't even serve, and she kept trying to apologize to us up, up in the first class. I'm sorry. I don't know what's so funny, but something's funny. Nothing's funny. I don't know why. Like, ah, I don't know why it's funny. <laughs> I promise you. And as we're getting off, the, and I said to the lady, I said, ma'am, what's happening? She, and then she starts apologizing. I said, ma'am, please don't apologize. I said, I think it's wonderful. She said, I don't know what's happening. Nothing's funny. There's ah, nothing funny. <laughs> I said, well, ma'am, is it good? She goes, oh, yeah, it's good. I said, well, whatever it is, have some more. <laughs> but you know, as I was getting off the plane, tears were coming down her eyes. I said, I said to her, ma'am, what happened? She says, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I said, no, you don't have to apologize. But what happened? She said, I don't know. She starts talking about what's going on in her life and the hell that's going on in her life and how much she needed that. People are hurting. Religion's not the answer, but the presence of God is. 
I cannot tell you the times I've having that on one airplane. I've gone. I, I I went to a place one time, and a man I didn't even know asked, 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 asked said to me, "He said, oh, are a preacher?'" I said, "Yeah." He said, "I knew it." He said, "Because when I look at you, I feel convicted of my sin." That happened to Smith Wigglesworth on a train, but it's happened to me as well. I go to rent cars, and standing, on, I'm standing, in, I'm standing in line to rent a car, and as I, I and the guy, there's a guy giving this lady a hard time, and as he goes away, I walked up and I said, <laughs> I walked up to the lady and said, he sure was a jerk, wasn't he? <clears throat> and she goes, yeah, he was. And I said, uh, I'm Dr. Richard Moore, I'm, I'm here to pick up my car. She looks up and the thing, next thing you know, she starts laughing uncontrollably. And then she starts trying to apologize. Then, then her boss hears her laughing. Her boss comes up. And the boss says, what's wrong with you? And she goes, I don't know that's funny, but he stood there. Ah! <laughs> she said, it started with him. Ah! And then the lady looked at me, and then the boss looked at me, and she starts laughing. And her eyes get real big. She, she, ran, she ran back to the back room. You know, I'm just, I, I can sit in here and tell you story after story after story how this has happened. I've gone to restaurants, and the waiters can't even... As you're leaving, leaving a morning meeting, waiters can't even wait on me because the power of God is at the table. Listen to me. God never intended for His glory to be shut up in the four walls of a, of a building. And unfortunately, the church world is of this mindset that if they need something from God, they've got to come to church. No. You are the church. That's why you must be filled to the top, overflowing, baptized afresh and anew in the Holy Ghost and fire. But nothing comes just because you want it. The things of God come because you go after it. And I can show you, and I don't, I'm running out of time tonight, but I can show you through Scripture. I can show you. I can show you blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus got healed because blind Bartimaeus cried out and shouted out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And they told him to shut up and they told him to be quiet and they told him, no telling what else they told him. But they didn't want to hear his loud voice. They didn't want to hear him crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They didn't want to hear it and they told him to shut up. But most people in the body of Christ, when they're told to shut up, they shut up. And what you should do is what the scripture says. What did blind Bartimaeus do? When he was told to shut up, the Bible says he cried out even louder. I was driving with a pastor friend of mine. Pastor's a very large church. I'll be with him in, I think, April. In Louisville, Kentucky. I don't, he's probably two, three thousand members. I'm driving with him to play golf. And I said, man, I like your new car. And he says, oh, man. He says, he says man, uh, I do like it. He said, I think I'm going to have to get rid of it. I said, what? For what? He said, well, I got people in my church, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're talking because I got a new car. I said, pastor, it's a Ford. <laughs> oh, excuse me. It's a, it's a glorified Ford. It's a Lincoln. Town car. I said, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to get rid of it. I said, Pastor, I don't think you should get rid of it. He said, you don't? He said, well, he said what would you do? I said, if it was me, I'd get another one for my wife. 
Just, just like t- today, I told you the story this morning, when the pastor had a lady in his office demanding that he shut the meetings down. He asked me, well, what would you do? I said, if it was me, I'd purposely extend the meetings because they told me to shut them down. I've actually done it. I was in Toke, Alaska. Anybody ever heard of Toke, Alaska? Anybody here from Alaska? Anybody been to Alaska? I was in Toke, Alaska. I don't know, 10 years ago, I was in Toke, Alaska. Because somebody got healed in my meeting and the pastor wanted to know if I'd come. Because my wife and I was there for like three months. So I was up in, or two, what, two months? We was up in Toke, Alaska. I, get, I was in Toke, Alaska. The power of God started falling. They got up a petition. It's a town of a thousand people. They got up a petition to throw me out of town. <laughs> they did. They got up a petition to throw me out of town. You know what's so crazy? The first few nights, the place was about half full. When they found out, because they said I was a false prophet, I was of the devil. So when the word got out that the devil's in town, the place is packed house. <laughs> I'm serious. It was packed. <laughs> I went into a store there in Toke, Alaska, just to get something. And the lady says, oh, what brings you to, 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 our, to our little town? I said, well, I'm here on business. Oh, really? What's your business? I said, oh, I'm a minister. Oh, really? What church you at? I said, oh, I'm at such and such church. The lady looks at me. She goes, oh. You're the one. <laughs> That's what she said to me. You're, you're the one. So you know what I did? On Wednesday night, the place was packed. I, I, my wife was there. I tell you. I'm telling you the truth. I got up on Wednesday night and I said, I know there's some of you here that you've got up a petition to throw me out of town. I said, what you should have done is to be quiet because I was supposed to leave Friday. But just because you're trying to throw me out of town, I'm just announcing tonight that I'm going to stay an extra week. And I said, and if you keep on, I'll stay too. <laughs> and you know what? Afterwards, I thought about it. Have you ever, have you thought of, you know, ever, have you ever gotten in an argument or something and then thought about it and think, no, I should have said this. And I thought, you know what? And I should have told those people. And if they keep on, I'll start a church here. <laughs> and I'll send Pastor Don and Monty up to pastor it. <laughs> So when I say, listen, I, 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 and I said to the pastor, I said, well, if it was me, I'd buy, I'd buy one for my wife too. See, when they tell you to shut up, now you're faced with a major decision. Are you going to press in to your miracle or are you going to stay bound up and sick and stay defeated and stay doing nothing with your life for the kingdom of God? Because trust me, They'll come at you. Trust me. And it's most of the time it's family members. Most of the time it's family members. They'll come out and they'll say things. Well, you know, I don't know about Sister So-and-so. You know, my, our sister, I don't know. She's, she's going to go down that church down there. and You know, it's a, you know it is an occult anyway. <laughs> you know, that's what they start. They you know, they, they, yeah, the church, you know, the pastor, you know, he's not even from, he's from Iowa. He's a cult leader. No, no, I'm serious. That's what they start saying. You know, you know what I do now? When we get people saved, we go places and give. My wife and I, we're always getting people saved. You know what I get people saved? I used to tell people, well, just find a church and go to it. I don't do it no more. I don't do that no more because I don't want them to go to some dead religious church. You know what I tell people now when I get them saved? I said, find out the church that everybody says is an occult, then go there. <laughs> because that's the only thing the world says. Trust me, it's always the people full of the Holy Ghost on fire that has the Spirit of God moving that's labeled occult. 
I can promise you this church has probably been called in the cult. You've probably been told from your family members that you go to an occult church. Hello, anybody here tell me? Yeah, somebody's raising their hand right here. Two people raising their hand. Right Three people raising their hand. But what are you going to do? Now, what are you going to do when they tell you to shut up? According to Scripture, we're to cry out even louder. But you know what? Notice, it wasn't the cry that Jesus stood still at. It was the second cry. It was when he cried out even louder that got his attention. I think the, I think the Lord was just testing him, actually, to be honest with you. But guess what? He got his miracle because he went after it. The woman with the issue of blood, guess what? She got her miracle because she went after it. The man let down from the roof, guess what? He got his miracle because he went after it. I could show you time and time and time and time again in the Word of God that people receive their miracle, people receive their touch, people receive an encounter because they went after it. Elisha received a double portion of the anointing for what reason? The only reason he got a double portion is because he was determined that he was going to get what Elijah had and he wasn't going to stop he wasn't going to let the other school the prophets stop him because every single all four cities he went into they said the same thing don't you know the Lord's going to take away your master today what did he say basically he said yes I know it shut up about it basically what he said and he wouldn't let them stop him Matter of fact, Elijah even tried to get him to stay back. All four cities. But Elijah said, I'm not staying back. I don't care what you say. I'm not staying back. And I know Elijah was testing him. I'm not staying back. Finally, they crossed. Elijah takes his mantle, smotes the waters. The Bible says the waters parted hither and thither. There's two places water goes when it's parted, hither and thither. They walked over to the other side. And then, guess what? Elijah says, what do you want? Elisha tells him what he he wants. And Elijah said, you are asking a very hard thing. But nevertheless, but now there's still a stipulation. He said, if you see me when I'm taken away, it'll be so. If not, it won't be so. I promise you, Elisha didn't take his eyes off of him. I promise you, even if Elisha got tired, he's going to hold his eyes open. I'm not taking my eyes off of him. But guess what? Then all of a sudden, something supernatural happened. I mean, people, I mean, here comes a boom, a chariot of fire up here. I mean, parted him asunder. Boom, Elijah goes. And Elisha takes off his clothes, picks up the mantle. Where is the God of Elijah? <laughs> Smote the waters and it parted hither and thither. He received a double portion. Did it happen? For what reason? Did it happen because it was God's will? No. It happened because Elisha made it happen. He went after it. He went after it. He went after it. He went after it. Do you realize God will not withhold anything from you that He has? It just comes down to how hungry are you for it? Do you know that? Listen, do you know any anointing is available to you? 
It just comes down to how hungry are you for it and are you willing to pay the price for it. Most people aren't willing to pay the price for it. My wife and I paid the price. And I'm not going to go into all the story tonight because I'm going to pray for some people here in a moment. But I'll share, I'll share it with you this week. I cried out to the God. I cried out. I cried out. Oh, God, I'm so hungry for you. Lord, I'm so hungry for you. Lord, I'm so hungry for you. For, eight mo- for a year and a half, but for eight months following the South African around, my p- family thought I was nuts. Well, you know, all of the kids, you, you go home and you know they just got you know, to tell you. They just, you know, they just got to tell you. You know, they got to give you a little piece of their mind. You know, the family, you know, they just have to say things around the table. You know, the family, all the family's doing great, except Richard. You know, they got their jobs, you know, and they got their, you know, 401ks. And you know, Richard's falling around some African. No, I'm serious. Traveling up, you know, family, you know, the other, you know, kids, they got, they got their homes. And, you know, Richard and his wife, they don't even have a house. They stay with people. My wife's family thought, even said, you know, Richard Rhonda, you know, everybody's doing good, but Richard Rhonda, they live on the edge. But see, they, they, they couldn't see what, they, what we saw. They didn't, have, they didn't have in them what we had in them, what we was going after. But guess what? They're still doing what, they're, they, they're still doing what they were doing back then. And I've gone to 55 nations of the world now over 100 times. Seen, seen literally millions of people come to the Lord. And that's not an exaggeration. Some of them are dead now. But I pressed in. And I'm not saying that to you to tell you to let you know that I've stopped. No, no. I'm still pressing in. You're looking at a very hungry preacher. I'm still pressing into the things of God, still to this day. Because there's still some more things. There's still some more things. <clears throat> there's still some more things. No, listen, there's still some more things. No, no, there's still some more things. But I realize in order for it's going to happen, it has everything to do with me. Not God has everything to do with me. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Any anointing is available to you. It just comes down to how hungry are you for it. And I'm going to share this one thing. I'm going to pray. After my wife and I, after the Lord touched, after we've gone around, nothing, and nothing's happening to me. Nothing's happening to me. I go into, I'm sitting in all the meetings, and nothing, I don't feel nothing. And then Rodney says to me, this is in December, I said, where are we going next? He said, we're going to Daytona. I had no money. I said, I don't have any money. I said, where are we going next? He said, we're going to Pennsylvania. I said, let's go, we'll, let's, you go to Daytona. We'll have Christmas. And then when you come back through, I'll hook up with you and we'll go to Pennsylvania. The first of the year. Night, this was 1990, January. He said, okay. I said to my wife, well, you know, we'll just, you know, you're thinking, uh, you know, back then, uh, you, you, your mind, you don't have, we had no money. I'm thinking, you know what, maybe family members for Christmas, you know, they'll feel sorry for us and give us money. And I'll use that money 
you know, to get to the next place. That's, I mean, that's how radical it was. Because I really didn't care what they thought. I was after something. And I knew that God promised me that eventually, I don't, I don't know when it was going to happen, but eventually God would say, okay, he sought me enough. I'm going to let him find me today. And the Lord said to me, after Roddy Nardi left, the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to go to Daytona. I said, Lord, I don't have no money. I, got, I think I had $35. I didn't nothing. I said, Lord, I don't have no money. So I said to my wife, I said, the Lord said to me, we're supposed to go to Daytona. I said, honey, we don't have no money. And she said, well, if that's what the Lord said, let's do it. I said, well, here's what we'll do. I said, we'll hitchhike until we, I said, we can probably make it to about Atlanta. I said, we'll drive to Atlanta. And it eventually run out of gas. I said, we'll just drive to Atlanta, and then we'll just park the car along the side of the road, and we'll hitchhike to Daytona. Listen, that's radical stuff. You understand what I'm saying? We've, we've been married, what, two years now? And I'm going to, almost, not even, no, not a year and a half. And I'm on a hitchhike. <laughs> to, to Daytona. But yet, I'm after God. And, and, and listen, we laid everything to the side. Most people won't because they, they, they like their comfort. But unfortunately, their comfort is going to get in the way from them having an encounter. Nothing comes by comfort. Everything comes by sacrifice. Everything. And so I thought, I had an idea. I'm going to go to my grandparents and change the, change the oil. Back then, I can change the oil. Five quarts of oil, change the filter for $10, $12. So I go to my grandparents. My grandfather, who's my hero, drove race, he's the race car driver. So I went and changed the oil. My car. Now I'm like $25. So we're sitting at the, at the table. My grandmother says, my, she's, I called her memo. She goes, Ricky, honey. She goes, you're going to Florida. Let me give you some money. I said, memo, I'm fine. She said, well, I want to give you some. I said, memo, you don't have to give me money. I'm fine. Because I, I, nobody know nothing. I, you know, I didn't, you know, some people live, you know, faith without hints is dead. That, that's their life. They live, they live by hints. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I said, memo, I'm fine. The third time she goes, oh, Ricky, honey, I want to give you some money. I said, well, ma'am, well, if you really want to, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Next thing I know, she opens up the freezer. And the fr- I'm like, what is she doing? And she reaches in there and she, she, she pulls out a bunch of cold cash. And she says, she's pulling out, she says, now, now, honey, don't tell your papa this. This is where I keep my stash. I said, Memo, how long has that been there? She said, oh, I've kept it there since our marriage. Because my, my, my grandparents are old school. I mean, my grandfather, I'm telling you, a lot of them, well, they did, but they also hid at other places too. I mean, my grandmother did everything. She did all the cooking. Now, my grandfather's a very hard worker, but, my, but it was just back to that era. I mean, my, my grandmother, I, she honored she my grandfather's underwear. I mean, I, I'm trying to get my wife to do that for me, but... After 30 years, it ain't happened, it ain't, you know, happened yet. <laughs> Maybe you could help her, church. <laughs> I mean, she just did everything. She always had breakfast ready for him. She had dinner ready for him. I mean, she just, it was just that era. I mean, did Christmas, the men would eat first? No, really, the men would eat first. I mean, and... Uh, <clears throat> Then they'd eat, then they'd play cards. 
and get in fights. <laughs> That's just my family. You ever seen the show on TV, Moonshiners? <laughs> well, some of my family. And, uh, and um, so my grandmother, she put out and gave me, and she gave me some money. Well, I said something. So I, I, I can't remember how much it was. I just remember I have enough now to get to Florida. And, um, and I remember we went the next day. We went out to Florida. We get to Daytona Beach, Florida. Go up to Rodney's room. Then we go down to the beach and down to the beach for a while. And he says, hey, I'm going to go back to my room, get ready for the service. I stay down at the beach with my wife. She's just sunning. Man, I start having a pity party. I start looking out the ocean. I'm like, oh, God. Now, but I'm tormented because I'm in Daytona Beach. I can look over my shoulder and see the, day, uh, uh, the motor speed, Daytona 500, the motor speedway, Daytona Speedway, which was my dream. It was my dream to win the Daytona 500. Now I'm tormented because I keep looking up. Oh, oh, I want to be there so bad. But the Lord won't let me. But I'm a dead preacher. And then I'm having a pity party. Oh, God. It's my life. I'm a dead preacher. I wanted to be over there driving race cars. But you won't let me. And now I'm here. I have no money. I got a little Ford Tempo. It has no power. And God, you know me, I like power. And it has no power. And you know what I'm doing. I've been coming around all over the country for eight months now. Nothing. I haven't felt you, feel nothing. I'm just having a pity party. Man, I'll tell you, it was a few months later. All of a sudden, can I use you as an example? Come here. Just, just, face, just face that way, like, like you're going to be me facing the ocean. All of a sudden, here's what happens. Somebody comes up to me and taps me on the back like that. I turn around, and, and all of a sudden, I look in the person's eyes. The Lord told me to come and tell you that you passed the test. I turn around and walked off. Thank you. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> I passed the test. I didn't even know I was being tested. And I have to stop there. I'll share my testimony this week, but it was the very next place that I went to. My whole life changed. I didn't even know I was being tested. But the Lord will test you. That's why don't ever quit. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop pressing in. Don't ever stop. For what I don't know, I don't, I don't, I wish I knew everything. I don't always know God's timing and why and why he waits and why. I don't know that. All I know is that if you keep seeking him, eventually the day will come. The hour will come where you'll find him. And when you find him, everything changes. Everything. Because he promised us, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's a promise God gave us. It's a promise God gave you. It's a promise God gave you. It is a promise to every single one of us. That's one of the reasons for these meetings. Because really what these meetings are, they're saturation meetings. 
This is where you come and allow yourself to be saturated in the anointing and the glory of the Father. Because I can promise you, when heaven comes in, hell goes out. And believe God for big things this week. Amen? Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray for some people. Before I do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed tonight. If I don't do it now, (laughs) it won't happen. So I'm going to do it now, then I'm going to pray. Ushers are going to come. Honey, did you hand out our envelopes? If I can just get the ushers. Sister Usher, just take a bunch of envelopes and hand them down the aisle. Just let people take one. Tonight, if you're going to make out a check, just take a bunch of them and hand them down the aisle. Let me, everybody, get one. Just, if you're going to make out a check tonight, just make your checks out to, just make it VOR. It's Voice of Revival Ministries. Hallelujah. And you just do what the Lord tells you to do tonight. If you're going to give by check, right, just make it out to VOR. If you, if you don't have a check, we take credit cards. We take American Distress. We take, we take all of them. But everybody do something tonight. Everybody do something. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But still early. It's only 5 to 8. I'm going to pray for everybody tonight. How many believe in God for big things? Come on, how many? Big things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord said to me in 1992, when I started doing this, in 1992, I started receiving our own offerings. <clears throat> but the Lord set me free because I used to have such a poverty mentality. I, I can tell you, my wife and I, when we got married, every fight we had was over money. And it was always me because she didn't have a poverty mentality. I did. I used to tell her, do you always have to buy something when you go shopping? I'd get mad at her. I used to tell her to go shopping, just don't buy nothing. <laughs> no, I mean, I, torment, I probably tormented her because of my bondage. But, but, but there was a time in my life, though, that my dad left when I was seven. So I, I, for five years, I grew up in the projects. I used to get made fun of because I didn't, my, my parents were poor. You know, I, I was poor. I didn't know I was poor until they told me. <laughs> but when, I was poor. I couldn't, I cannot tell you the times I wake up as a kid, electric turned off, the gas turned off, the water turned off, nothing in the refrigerator to eat, no food, nothing. Many times that happened. But the only thing, but what comes with that is a mindset. And so I developed this mindset. I used to get made fun of because I didn't have the right kind of shoes as a kid growing up. Even though I was at the racetrack every week, my grandfather would come and pick me up and I'd go to the racetrack, but through the week, now I'm, being, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the projects, fighting all the time, always in fights. I'm a white guy. I mean, I'm living in the projects. Everybody's black. I'm a white guy with red hair. <laughs> I'm always being in a fight. And, but I can tell you this. I was, never, I was never racist. So when I got saved, my best friends were black. When I got saved, that part of me never had to change. 
My son-in-law's black. I mean, I, I just that, that I was never a racist, never, because understand, racism is a learned behavior. It's taught. Hello, nobody's born racist. It's taught, and that wasn't taught in my family. And but I was poor. I, I'd get I'd get made of fun. I'd get in fights because I didn't have right right shoes. Because back when I was growing, now there's. There's so many, there's Adidas, there's Nike, there's Under Armour, there's so many shoes now. When I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, there was only one type of shoe, Chuck Taylors. We called them Chucks. Now everybody wears them now. But when I was a kid growing up, I mean, they were the shoe. And if you didn't have Chuck Taylors, you had buddies. I still remember, they cost, they cost when I was like seven, eight, nine. They were $22.98. But my mama couldn't afford them because it was just me and my mom and my sister. I remember they used to sing a song about me. I still remember the song to this day. I'd, I'd, go, I'd go into school, get on the school bus, and I'd have my buddies on. And then the school bus would start singing a song because they all had Chuck Taylors. They'd start singing a song. Ricky's got buddies on. Buddies, make your feet feel fine. Buddies, cost $1.99. Yeah, that's what they used to sing. And so, but what that did in me, it created a poverty mindset. And it carried over into my marriage. And I thought it was stupid to buy anything new. That's a waste of money. But that's a poverty mindset. But also realize this, that in order to be used in miracles, I had to get free from that mindset. Because understand something, money and the anointing work off the same principle. The same thing, listen to me very closely, the same thing that will keep you from putting an orphan in the bucket is the same thing that will keep you from pulling somebody out of a wheelchair. Because money and the anointing work off the same principle. Because when God gives you something, He gives it to you to release, to give away. But when you got a poverty mindset, is everything's about keeping and keeping and keeping and hoarding and hoarding and hoarding. And you know how I got set, you know how I got set free? Because I'd be sitting in the service and the Lord would speak to me to give certain amounts of money. I argued, I promise you, I argued with God. But I always knew when I grieved him because at times he would tell me to do something and I wouldn't do it. But the offering bucket passed and I'd feel I'd feel I won't go throw up. I knew I grieved him. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. I didn't get set free overnight. It's a process. But when I got set free, the Lord spoke to me in 1992, and he said, he said, I want you to, and this is when he told me, he said, you, you go pay your own expenses, everything, but receive an own offering. But he said this, teach the people what I taught you. And he said this to me. He said, if you don't teach the people, then I will hold you responsible for their poverty. Amen? Now, praise the Lord. So, here's the reality. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. Lack doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. Poverty is a mindset. It's also a spirit too. But it's mainly a mindset. That's why I refuse to this day. I will not go into a dollar store. I refuse. I can't stand dollar stores. It's such, it's such a poverty Feel, I, my wife, she loves dollar stores. She goes in dollar stores all the time. I won't go into a dollar store. 
I'm saying that's for me. Nothing's wrong with them. My wife goes into them. I'm saying for me. We sh- <laughs> Not where you got yours. I can promise you that. <laughs> there should be a restaurant in the south called Po Folks. I refuse to go into Po Folks because I'm not Po. I used to be Po, but I'm not Po no more. <laughs> you ready to sow seed? Ushers, go ahead. Father, bless the seed that sowed. Lord, we thank you for a mighty harvest in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Ushers, go ahead, pass the bucket. Thank you. And then I'm going to pray for some folks. Hallelujah. Do you know there's a difference between getting people to, to give based upon the word or give based upon their love for the Father versus pulling on people's emotions or using gimmicks? Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Pass the, pass the, is that, is that the offering thing? Man, we need to change that. You can't put much in them little bags. We need to, we need to get buckets, brother. We need to get big old buckets. <laughs> According to your bag face, so be it. Hallelujah. No, we need to get buckets. Do you know, do you know, I was in a church that they, they didn't have those. They had those plates, you know, the little religious plates, you know, the gold plates with little red velvet in them. They can't put nothing in the plate. I said, if I, I said, pastor, I said, if I was ever a pastor, you wouldn't catch me with a plate. I said, according to your face, so be it. I'd have garbage cans. I'd have big old dumpster garbage cans. I came back to the service the next night. Yeah, I came back to the service the next night and on the ends of the church, big old garbage cans. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Give People give online? Yeah, Is there, are we online right now? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that, you know. Anyway, I'll explain it later. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you. I'll tell you the Lord is good. <laughs> Come here, sister. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. How you doing? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Come. Hallelujah. I, I'm just going to call this, I, those that I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for. The Lord, I, I prayed for you this morning, didn't I? Yeah. It's Anna. Anne. Anne. Lift your hands. Lord, I thank you. Never the same. Whew, from your head to the soles of your feet. Never the same. Father, I thank you for that. Never the same, 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 never the same. That anointing saturates you. That anointing saturates you. Say, this is what these are. This is a saturation meeting. Because you know what? Here's the we haven't broke through yet. We will, but we haven't yet. Sister, what's your name? Come here, Patricia. And is this your friend? What's your name? Come here, Judy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Never the same. 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 Just lift your hands, Patricia. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. The moment I lay my hands upon you, the anointing of God goes right into you. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for a fresh whew, fire. 
the fire of the Holy Ghost, Father. I thank you. And Jesus. Who your name? That's it. I don't want to go right into you. In the name of Jesus. The fire of heaven. Oh yeah, from your head, truth, the soles of your feet. Never the same, never the same, never the same, never the same, never the same. Morushta kelevre bashishta. Morushta kevrein shivraman shishtovro banjifre boruste ravanzi fre bosusto korobanje. Huh? Oh, okay. Shadrivreman sufranje. I tell you, the Lord. I just need to pray for, for this couple. Hallelujah. Can you bring your baby. Bring your baby. I'll put your baby in my wife's arms. <laughs> Honey, hold the baby. It'll increase our faith. Shevrobo shish delivreba. Moruba delivreba. Come right here. No ruba sistai. Shalivreba. Ruma jefravafra. Just lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name that's above every name. Father, I thank you for a fresh fire. Get ready for get ready for breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. The moment I lay my hand upon you, the anointing is going right into you. Release my that anointing, my vrush to live, just release it right now, Father. Jeez. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Father, I thank you. Jesus' name. The fire. Never the same. That's it. Never the same. Breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because see, because here's what happens. This is God's operating table. This is where he takes out and this is where he puts in. Do you know, I cannot tell you, more people have been healed in our meetings on the floor. And we've had incredible miracles. I mean, I mean, I cannot tell you the people that's come to our meetings, stage four cancer spread throughout their whole body, totally healed, still alive to this day. I mean, Amen. but most of it takes place on the floor. <laughs> Never the same. I tell you, it's the power of God all over Anna, right? Ann. Ha <laughs> Ann. Ann. Well, well, this is revival. You just got, you got a name change. Anna. <laughs> just like... Just like Saul, his name, he had an encounter with God. He went from Saul to Paul. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise. Are you, are you, are you a couple married? Come and we pray for you. Lord Jesus. Lord, she's trying to get away. Oh, Rabbi. Well, you're going to have to get on the, to get on the wood floor. That's okay. Hallelujah. What's your name? Mike, what's your name? Where you go to church? Here? Or where are you from? Newburgh. Is that close to here? Oh, that's nothing. Jeez. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you for this couple. I'm on my lay my hands upon you. The fire of God's going to go right into you. Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus. Shorufra mandate Oh yeah, that's it right now. Oh yeah, that's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, the fire of the Holy Ghost. My Rafa. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Now, Rabran, Jevlei, Basusta, Braba, Kusta, Halabrupa, Shista, Levre, Bakista, Levre, Basista. Come on, pray for you two. Horom and Shista. Come, both of you. Habrosta, Levreba, Mamma, Mosusto, Reva, Super. Come on, we'll get you right here. We'll put you over here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. How are you doing? I'm awesome. You are awesome. Hallelujah. Come, come over here, sir. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What's your name, son? Yule. Yule, like Yule Brenner. Yule? Yeah. Well, you need to shave your head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's coming> out. <laughs> that's a cool name what's your name again honey Linda. Linda lift your hands father how long y'all been married 47 years. 47 years that's unusual these days you were high school sweethearts father I thank you for you and Linda I tell you the Lord's going to have his way in you tonight you never be the same Never the same. Jesus. Oh, yeah. The fire of the Holy Ghost. From your head to the soles of your feet. Never the same. Jesus. Just take it, take it, take it. Going right in you. That's anointing. That's that anointing going right in you. That's that anointing going right in you. Lord, I thank you. Jesus. That anointing. That anointing. That's the power of God on you, ma'am. That's the power of God on you. Yeah. Never the same. Never the same. Oh, yeah. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. Jesus. Never the same, ma'am. That's the more rustic never the same Lord I thank you for your touch Lord I thank you the fire of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Lord I thank you for your touch in the name of Jesus never the same never the same never the same What's your name? Veronica. Veronica? I bet you're a good drinker. <laughs> Never the same. Come here. Come here. Come here. We got a spot. What? Where'd they go? Don't be in a hurry. Come here, man. <laughs> Veronica? And what's your name, hon? Carmelita, I asked you that this morning, didn't I? Lift your hands, Carmelita and Veronica. Father, I thank you for... No, oh, yeah, my rooster. Yeah, that's that anointing right now. Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's that anointing. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That anointing in the name of Jesus. Yeah, the fire of the Holy Ghost. Come, come, come. Never the same, Veronica. Never the same. Jesus. Never the same. Revrebo susto corro basiste, levrebo basista. Come here, sister, rag lady. Come here. What's your name? Dina. Dina? Yes, sir. I don't want to call you rag lady. Here, come here. Oh, Jesus, lift your hands. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your touch. Shakarista Day. In the name of Jesus, the fire. Of the, oh yeah, never the same. 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 Sister, what's happening to you? <laughs> that's, the, that's the Holy Ghost all over you. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. And it's just the beginning. I tell you, listen, 
Let me tell you how God ordained these meetings. I'm telling you, these meetings are God ordained. Every night, every night, every night, every, every service is different. Tomorrow night will be totally different than tonight. Every service is so different. But there's things that God wants to do in this, in this, this, this area. But God always needs a church, always. God does nothing in, in the earth with, without people. Jesus, touch him, Jesus. Touch him, touch him, Jesus. 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 That's it. Touch him, Jesus. That's it. Touch him, Lord. That's it. That's touch him, Jesus. That's it. That's it. Touch him, Jesus. That's it. Touch him, Lord. That's it. Drunk. Drunk. That's it. That drunk. That's it. Drunk. Drunk's it. What's his name? Jose. Chemo. Drunk. 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 What is that? That's a gun. I don't want to hit the gun. Drunk. 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 Got to watch where you hit these days. Drunk. What's his name again? Chemo. Chemo. Drunk. Chemo. 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 Drunk. Drunk. Chemo. Chemo sobby. Drunk. Drunk, drunk, drunk. Drunk, drunk, drunk. Here's all the babies. Do you know, I love the babies in the meetings. You don't, you don't have really, you don't know you don't even have to have nursery. I love the kids in the meetings. I'd, I'd rather have the kids in the meetings than, because listen, can I tell you the two-year-old, three-year-olds we've had touched by the power of God? I promise you, you get your children at a young age encountering God, and I promise you, you'll be spared a whole lot of hell when they get older. Amen. Amen. Chemo. Amen. Chemo sobby. <laughs> Drunk. Yeah, that's all right. Well, your wife, can, she would, she'll drive you home. Drunk. You know, I will tell you, bring designated drivers to these meetings. Actually, we got Uber now. Just call Uber or Lyft. I've had, I've used, I, I used to use Uber all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, that's it. Drunk. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Is that, is that, where's the, is that the wife? That, that's, I say that's the wife on the floor. Well, maybe, we, maybe we'll be, we'll be calling Uber because she's on the floor. That's all right. I got an Uber account. Yeah. Never the same. Chemo. Never the same. Chemo. Never the same. Chemo. Is that an Indian name? Chemo? Oh, it's Hawaiian. Lord, this Hallie is anointed of God. <laughs> He's touching this Hawaiian. <laughs> the, the Hawaiians call us Hallies. Us white people are Hallies. Lord Jesus. <laughs> Now that 
that explains it. I, listen, all Hawaiians are good drinkers. I'm telling you, they are. Hawaiians are good drinkers. <laughs> Never the same chemo. Never the same chemo. Never the same chemo. That's it, chemo. Chemo. <laughs> drunk, 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 drunk. Yeah, drunk, drunk, drunk. Have some more, Veronica. Have some more. Have, come on. Have some more, Veronica. Go ahead, Veronica. Have some more. Go ahead. Others are going to take yours. Have some more. Go ahead. Yeah, there we go. Have some more. <laughs> you know, my job is to prime the pump. You know, I remember we used to go out in the country, Kentucky. and Yeah, you had to. Man, there, my aunt had this little, little well. I mean, it had to like seven times. You can hear the water coming up. You can hear it. Like on the seventh time, man, it, it just, the gusher. That's really what my job is. Can I be honest with you? I don't even know what I am. People, I've had people say to me, well, what are you? I don't know. Well, are you a prophet? I, I don't think I'm a prophet. I have a non-profit organization. I don't think I'm a prophet. I mean, so, <laughs> I don't know if I'm a prophet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I tell people, I'm an usher. That's my job. Man, how many guns you got on you? Every time I keep putting, I'm keeping a gun. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, is that a is that a bulletproof vest? Jeez. I saw you try to sneak up over there. <laughs> there's always, everywhere we go, there's always somebody that becomes the church drunk. This might be chemo. <laughs> Isn't the Lord good? You know, taking the coat off doesn't help. <laughs> oh, man. Shoo. How you doing, sister? Come here. Hallelujah. No, no, come on, pray for you. Just push the button and it'll play by itself. Well, they do. You can push a button, they play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't matter. That's all right. Go ahead. Open that door. Door number two. <laughs> the Lord is so good. Come as thou hitherest. She's fine. Hallelujah. Come, sister. Hallelujah. 
Stand right here. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for, for your touch. Jesus name. Fire. The Holy Ghost. Well, she can't get up, don't worry about it. Just leave her. Just leave her. Here's what I've learned. If you didn't put them down there, you can't help them up. Hallelujah. Jesus. I tell you, never the same. Never the same. In the name of Jesus. I tell you, that's the anointing of God all over you, sister. Tell you, it's a fire of God going in you. Never the same, never the same, never the same, never the same, never. Healed tonight in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your touch. All sickness and disease bows at that name. Because guess what? When the anointing of God goes in, every yoke of bondage is destroyed. Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you, Lord, for your touch. Hallelujah. some more see chemo have some more never the same what part of Hawaii is he from the big island Maui hallelujah it's time for me to go back to Maui because I was praying the other day, and I was praying, so I thought, oh, it's time, it's time, it's time, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sweetie, you don't have anything you want to say? You don't have anything? Let me enjoy this moment. It's a miracle. No, I'm teasing. Nothing? Come here. Hallelujah. 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 I was just reminded of a testimony. Um, You know, a lot of times you don't might not know what's happening when you're laying under the power of the Holy Ghost. And this one preacher, he said it was like a fishing hook, just kept bringing up things like unforgiveness and deep things that were in the recesses of his heart. And so just know that the Holy Spirit is doing an intrinsic work on the inside of you. And so he that begun a good work will continue that work. And we are all works under progress. Amen. And so he's doing the construction on the inside. And so just allow him to take out those things. And, you know, you might have a spirit of weeping on you. You might have a spirit. You know, you've just got to yield to what the Holy Spirit is wanting. You know, I was telling a few ladies earlier today that, you know, our bodies have memory. 
And when trauma happens to us, our bodies can hold that. And our bodies weren't meant to deal with stress because it starts right here and it just starts all the way down into your body. And it can just rest in places, but the Holy Spirit knows all things. And the anointing just medicates you. You know, I was thinking about what happened this morning. You know, people were just drunk on the anointing. You know, I mean, there were like, you know what I mean? But you just, you know, it just went, you know, and so often, I mean, we've been in services where there's um, the spirit of God's moving and there's also a demonic power that's leaving people because these services, major things, it's a major operation on the inside of your hearts, you know, and God's taking out those things so that you don't hold them. Because many people will tell you, you know, when people are diagnosed with cancer and, and diseases, it's things that have lodged on the inside of them. And when you can get them to release, and usually it's unforgiveness, and it's just years and layers. So as the Holy Spirit comes in, he'll come in like a flood into you as you yield and you open up. Allow him just to let those rivers flow. You know, sometimes people are all dammed up, but you got to allow that river to flow out of you because there's rivers of healing many different rivers out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water and so just allow that river to flow out of you so it is it's different every night there's just a different flow and a different uh, anointing can come into the house and you just yield to it and it's so powerful so maybe yours didn't get called out tonight and maybe you were sitting there and just know that night after night, the Holy Spirit is walking up and down these aisles. He's taken out and he's putting in. So, so just keep coming. Keep your expectors on and know that he's at work in you. He's, ne- he's, never, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Perfect love casts out fear. Amen. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so he'll give you purpose. He'll give you direction because you're seeking after him. Seek him and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. So many doors are going to be opened on the inside of you this week. And some doors are going to close and some doors are going to open. And you're going to find yourself, you know, You know, sometimes you're going in one direction and he wants to take you in another direction, but it's all, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. That's why in these meetings, you have to turn off your head. You just have to turn that off. You know, we get so busy thinking, you know, but you're a whole sum of everything you've ever thought sitting there today. You know, we can't do it within ourselves. We were not meant and put on this earth to be in our natural wisdom. It's God's supernatural power that's going to give you the wind to do what he's called you to do. And we all want to do what God's called us to do. And we need to, you know, wrap this thing up because he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And so some are the hands, some are the feet, some are the knees, some are the mouth, some are the ears, some are the eyes. So we have to get in position and allow the Holy Spirit to use us in those positions so the church can go forth. So 
this region can be touched and ministered to by the presence and power of God because he needs each of us in our capacity flowing together. So the whole body, we are a body that fits together. We're members individually, but we flow together so that we can bring in the lost. We can bring in the harvest because Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. That's why he hasn't come yet. He says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So just know that he, he saved you because he loved you, but he called you because he loved somebody else. So you get on the telephones, invite two and three people that need a touch from heaven because you see the power of God moving because these meetings, there's a tangible presence of the power of God and it bypasses It'll bypass your brain because it's God is not a mind. <laughs> so you have to drink. You have to allow him to saturate you. He's got to bypass this to come in here. So just know that he, you know, it's the foolish things that can find the wise. Amen. So hallelujah. So it's good. And just keep on drinking. Just keep rejoicing tonight as you leave and allow that anointing, you know, just to stay on you and just, you know, ask him, ask him, keep seeking him through the, through this evening. And when you get up in the morning, you know how you can increase that. I may decrease that he may increase the way you increase as you meditate you meditate. Say, thank you, Lord, for that touch. Thank you, Lord, for working in me. Thank you, Lord. I'm hungry. I want more of you. Show me the things to come, Holy Spirit. Stay in that atmosphere during the day. So when you come in here tomorrow night, you tap right in. You tap right in. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed tonight? I encourage you, as my wife said, Get on the telephone. Bring those that you know that need a touch from heaven. <clears throat> Amen. Bring those that you need to touch from heaven. The religious people, leave them at home. But those who are hungry and thirsty for God. Listen, i tell you who loves these meetings. The backsliders love these meetings. How many know backsliding people? Get them to these meetings. Tell them. Here's what you tell them. Say, look, there's a new bar that's opened up in town. <laughs> Oh, yeah, where, where is it? It's called Joe's Place. <laughs> Amen. We love you. Pastor, you want to say anything? We love you. God bless you. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. We love you. God bless you. See you tomorrow night. Hallelujah. There's refreshments downstairs if you want some. Hallelujah.